You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Joe, we are live without an intro video. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? August 7th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Join alongside, as always, managing editor for Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp. Make sure you give him a follow at Sean Ross Sapp. Yours truly, at Showdown Joe. Lots to discuss on today's edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Specifically, a postmortem for UFC 227, which was a fantastic event, in my opinion. We'll get to that momentarily, obviously, with Henry Cejudo. Defeating the GOAT, or is he the GOAT? The GOAT, Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson, TJ Dillashaw, uh, makes quick work of Cody Garbrandt. Uh, who's next for these guys? How is this weird triangle going to play itself out? We'll get to that for sure. We'll also talk about Conor McGregor versus Habib Nurmagomedov. That fight is on, which in effect uh, may have pissed off Nate Diaz, who is back, or is he back? We don't know. We'll discuss that as well. Lots of matchups announced by the UFC. Uh, one of them is uh, Glover Teixeira taking on Jimmy Manoa. That's going to be a fantastic scrap. And we'll touch on Vivian Pereira not opting to re-sign with the UFC. And, of course, so much more in the world of mixed martial arts. Sean, I'm fighting. I'm at the tail end of a uh, cold in the middle of summer. So uh, if my voice mm. starts crackling or I don't know how I can, how I can hit mute on this thing. But if i got to hit mute, uh, it's only because I'm coughing. But uh, how are you, sir? Doing great. Had a night off Saturday. Thanks to Jeremy Lambert, David Tees. Showdown Joe, or not Showdown Joe, Showdown Joe is on the Lesnar schedule. He doesn't work shows like that either. James Lynch for <laughs> covering that night. You can see the James Lynch post-show podcast at uh, youtube.com slash Fightful. We just hit 4 million views. We are at 10,000 subscriptions. Our Raw podcast did something like, uh, I don't know, 100,000 views last night. Uh, there's no way that's normal or will be happening in the future but hey it happened so i'm gonna tout it so we were gonna offer up our ufc 227 thoughts as well but before we do that i wanted to make a little bit of an announcement james lynch will be joining this show on a weekly basis starting august 28th that's a uh, three tuesdays from now i think he's doing a little traveling i'm doing a little traveling before then so we landed on august 28th uh, James Lynch is pretty much an MMA insider right now, talks to dozens of fighters a week. On any given month, probably 100 guys. So you'll have me hosting. You'll have Showdown Joe to give you his analysis and the historical aspect of things, and we'll be able to get some insight from James Lynch, who is constantly talking to all these guys. 
mean, he, he pretty much has Colby Covington on speed dial and apparently so do Vince McMahon and Donald Trump and people like that. I don't know if that's, that's a positive or negative for James Lynch to be included in that territory, but very excited to have him on. I think it's going to add an interesting dynamic. I'm not sure if we're doing it on Hangouts or on the other method. We'll see how that goes. It'll be a trial by error type of thing, but very happy to add James to that. The uh, industry podcast will become a special or seasonal show at that point, but I wanted to give you all our shows in a more digestible format, and I think that bring all of our MMA personalities on one show would be awesome. Because, I mean, how many times can you hear Joe talk me off a ledge about Chris Cyborg? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you love Cyborg and anything and everything that has to do with Cyborg or social media, what she says, what she doesn't say, what she's supposed to say, or whomever handles that social media. But uh, it is what it is, man. I mean, uh, what did you think of the show, UFC 227? And, and we'll get to the uh, co-main event in a moment. But overall, the show itself, what did you think? So I was I was in Cincinnati. I was doing some voiceover work, and I stayed at a hotel that night and ordered the pay-per-view on hotel internet. So I was terrified of paying money to buy this pay-per-view anyway. But when <laughs> when you're dealing with hotel internet too, that can make it even worse. You know that it can sometimes Don't even get me started on hotel internet. Yeah, I think I watched UFC. I covered 196 in Columbus on hotel internet, and it was miserable. But, uh, boy, these top two fights delivered. Maybe not so much the other ones. I thought Kevin Holland was a nice game opponent for Tiago Santos, but that that happened the way that we thought it was going to happen. That was violent. That was sheer violence. I always like seeing Marlon Vera, considering all the stuff that he's been through getting a win because he really, really needed a win because his back was against the wall. And uh, his, they told a story about how his daughter couldn't smile for the first seven years of her life and underwent a surgical procedure to have a muscle removed from somewhere else in her body to give her the ability to do that. And, hey, I'm sure, I'm sure her dad doing the old pant shitter on Buren probably helped get it done. That'll make anybody smile. Alex Perez knocking out Shorty Torres. You're sometimes Shorty Torres has to get rocked before he can get back in the fight. He didn't have that chance. You had uh, Ricardo Ramos winning and then calling out Sean O'Malley. I thought a very smart call out on the part of Ricardo Ramos. He is yes. at the level. It's just so smart. So smart to do that. Pedro Munoz against Brett Johns. Fun fight. Pedro Munoz gets another win. The prelims. That, that's what stuck out to me. And uh, I also don't want to watch Danielle Taylor fight anymore. All due respect to her. Man, is she a talented woman, but I can't remember a lot of exciting fights she's had since making the jump from King of the Cage to UFC. What stood out to you on the prelims? Um, well, the Munoz-Johns fight. Uh, obviously, me not being happy with Jose Shorty Torres losing that fight against Alex Perez. I've, I've always got a, a soft spot for Torres, seeing as I called all of his fights until he got to the UFC. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's just a friend of mine. So, um, as classy as can be with all of his social media posts, you know, you win some, you lose some. And, uh, you know, he said it was bound to happen. You know, you can't go this long without going, without suffering a defeat. So, he lost. He's got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what went wrong, what to improve, and I'm sure he'll come back better than ever. Um, 
Ricky Simone, kind of happy about Ricky Simone winning because, you know, I, I've worked with him before in the past. Uh, but other than that, everything else was just kind of, you know, cool. Enjoyed it. You know, it's, it's again, it's one of those shows that, you know, especially on the, on the FX card where you're kind of like, oh, every one of these fights is going to the decision. Like, come on, man. But, um, you know, the Ramos-Hokank uh, fight, okay. But other than that, yeah. You, t- you talk about the Simone fight. I don't think it should be understated. Montel Jackson, although he did not have a great performance or anything, he went the distance with Ricky Simone, who was 12-1. and one. Montel Jackson was not a pro fighter a year or 14 months ago. He was still had an amateur status then. So the fact that he is able to was able to go 4-0, get a shot on Contender Series, and then in seven weeks turn around and fight Simone and go the distance, that's kind of impressive. Alex Perez has entered his name in the discussion now. I expect to see him climb those rankings. I expect, I honestly, he should be in the top 15 when, when those rankings are updated this week. Or actually, they were updated Monday, I think, which is, yep. that's, it's stupid to me that he's not in there. I don't know when they, they mandated that, that change to Mondays, but uh, I will have that UFC rankings update up on FightfulSelect.com for Tier 1, $5 a month subscribers, probably later today now. But he is a guy that you got to look at. If he knocks off a guy like Shorty Torres, he is, he's in the discussion. Yeah. He is he's, he's to be mentioned. And I saw Jared Brooks. Talk. He was. Did you see Jared Brooks talking trash about Mighty Mouse and Zahudo on Twitter? No. He was like, "They're not marketable. I'll be more marketable when I hit the top ten. And you know, a lot of people were like, "Have fun knocking yourself out." And <laughs> you know, do do I agree with what he said? Not really. I mean, do I think he'll be more marketable than a Mighty Mouse or a Zahudo? Well, first off, you got to win in the fights. You gotta win the fights. Very rarely can you get to that level without winning the fights first. Chael Sonnen did, but he got he capitalized on when he needed to capitalize. Really, the true prime of his career, and but he loses fights now. But it doesn't matter. He already reached that mountaintop. And some I saw somebody post a picture. You've seen the video of Tyson Fury accidentally uppercutting himself, right? Yep. And somebody posted that, and I was like, "Well, that's not a real good example." when you're showing somebody hitting themselves because that guy became world champion. It's like, maybe, maybe think of somebody else. So I kind of sympathize with Jared Brooks on, in, on that aspect, but I think that Alex Perez is closer. He's closer to a title shot than Jared Brooks right now. Jared Brooks isn't ranked. Alex Perez isn't ranked, but one ended up beating Shorty Torres. The other one lost. That might be a natural next opponent for Alex Perez, unless they want yeah. to give him somebody in that top 10 or that top 15, maybe a Ben win. But uh, Alex Perez, I think he's 3-0 and in the UFC now. He's impressive, man. Super fast hands. Very fast hands. Yeah, and 21-4. and four. Yeah, he is, he's 3-0 and in the UFC, and he won on Contender Series last August, so... That's four wins, and the thing, the best thing about winning on Dana White's Contender Series, you're going to have the machine behind you. Yeah. Well, why are you going to have the machine behind you? Because the UFC and Dana White want to look good. They want to they want to make it look like they did the right thing. And thus far, they, you have to agree with the method of Dana White's Contender Series over tough, right? Hundred percent. 
100% because it's got his name all over it. Uh, it's online. It's something that they are producing, something they have put together. Not that they didn't put together what's happening on Tough and stuff like that, but their hands are sort of tied with some of the production values and what goes in there. Uh, they just simply have to say yay or nay when the edited uh, episodes come in. This is all them. This is not a reality show. It's reality fighting. It's live. It goes on. And you win. They give you a contract. You continue to win. They'll continue to give you a push because they'll. it just makes sense. It's like, hey, you missed this guy. If you missed him, he actually came from the Dana White Contender Series. Not whatever happened before in his career to get to the Dana White Contender Series. Exactly. This is how we came to the UFC. We produced they, him. Yes. That type of thing. Yeah. That's how it, how it works. And I, I get it. I understand. And that's not right, but I get it. It's scummy and clever at the same time, this <laughs> method. And the thing is, you, you win with an Anaconda choke on Dana White's Contender Series, you're probably getting a contract. That's an exciting way to win. And then what happens? He faces uh, Charles John DeThomas and won with a Darce choke. And he had a decision over Eric Shelton, but he knocked out Shorty Torres. That's four big wins. He should definitely be ranked in this division. But outside of that, we had the main card. Thiago Santos won. J.J. Aldrich beat Pollyanna Viana. Man, Viana's got some work to do, but J.J. Aldrich looked good. We thought Viana was taking this, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Aldrich looked uh, – I mean, I wouldn't say I was overly impressed, but she's got resolve, man. She continued to just get in there at the end of every round, went to her corner, Pat Berry saying what he had to say, and blah, 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 as she went back out there. And, you know, I felt like it was a blue-collar, um, you know, lunch pail work ethic. Go out there, get the job done, and, and just land your punches, land your shots, keep doing what you need to do. You're going to get your hand raised in victory, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and J.J. Aldrich is a person that the UFC, I'm sure, would like to push. She's won three in a row, but we haven't seen uh, the Invicta. Yeah. J.J. Aldrich, I mean the exciting one that had that the win over Acevedo and knocked out. God, I can't remember who she knocked out in Oklahoma a couple years ago and when she went to flyweight when she was coming off that layoff. And then she had that performance of the night bo- or win over Alvarez – a couple of years back, too. We haven't seen that Aldrich, but still a, a solid prospect for the UFC. Moicano against Cub Swanson. I should not have, in fact, put five on it for this one. Well, you had every right to put five on it because Cub Swanson uh, at that number is always going to be valuable. Unfortunately, Renato Moicano is something else. Um, you know, anyone who thinks that he's something special, you're, well, you're a little late to the to the bandwagon right now. This guy is fierce, and my goodness, did he put on a slick performance to do what he did um, in less than a round against Cub Swanson says a lot. And let's not forget who you know he gave um, uh, Ortega his toughest fight in the UFC. So this is a tough guy. This is a guy who's got a very bright future in the UFC. Uh, and we need to all be paying much closer attention to him because you don't just go in there and and punch out Cub Swanson, do what you need to do against a guy like Cub Swanson, then finish him off with a rear naked choke, which in essence means not just the choke was fantastic, but you stunned Cub Swanson to the point where Cub Swanson, uh, the will to win or the will to survive yeah. in Cub Swanson was faltered. And he was like, I just want to get out of here. Holy smokes, this guy's putting me in a, in a beating. Um, Cub Swanson's not an easy guy to finish per se. Uh, and Moicano did so in spectacular fashion, in vicious and brutal fashion as well. So uh, thumbs up to this kid, and I hope he continues to move up the rankings because, I mean, uh, where's he at now? He is at number – where's the Bantamweight? I'm looking at the Bantamweight. Moicano, he jumped yeah. up six spots to number four. 
number four. Okay, that's a deserving spot in my opinion. He's and, um, you know, as much as I like Swanson, I don't think he should be ranked number seven anymore. And I'll, I'll expand on that at FightfulSelect.com. But when but you lose three week, in a row. Yeah. Last week, Sean, we said, you know, would Jose Aldo and Moicano be a good fight? And we were, nah, nah, nah. Well, now, now it is. You. I think it's a great fight for Jose Aldo Jr. And, and the ranking reflects that now. Yeah. Before, at 10, it's like, man, do you give Aldo somebody like that? Well, now, at number four, yeah, you definitely can. And... Yeah, I think that Cub Swanson at number seven is very generous, especially when you've got Volkanovski and Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins has won like what five of his last six, even though he lost his last fight. I'll talk like like I said, I'll talk about that on the FightfulSelect.com rankings update. And boy, this is a big one as I'm looking through here. It's big, but Moicano is he deserves a fight with Aldo. I'm ready for that fight to happen. Mighty Mouse versus Cejudo. It happened. And scorecards all over the place. I'm going to go to MMADecisions.com. It was a split decision on the scorecards. You had 13 media members give it to Cejudo. You had 12 give it to Johnson. All 13 gave it to Cejudo, 48-47. Nine gave it to Johnson, 48-47. Or, yeah, Cejudo 48-47. Nine of them gave it to Johnson 48-47. And three media members gave it to Johnson 49-46. You had 52.8% of fans scoring it for Mighty Mouse Johnson. 44% for Cejudo and 2.7 had it at a draw. This is seriously among the most... Close, razor-thin decisions in UFC history. Definitely UFC championship history. But the thing is, despite that, it was one of those weird situations where the fighter who lost didn't complain. The fighter who won said, yeah, I could see it the other way. You had the majority of fans and media that I saw say, man, how can you hate on that? I, God, like I'm, I'm so perplexed by this because it was, I'm not calling it unanimous positivity, Joe, but it was overwhelming positivity. First off, let, let's talk about the fight. How'd you score it? Scored at 48-47 for Henry Cejudo. I think the decision was fair. I think the right person won on that evening. Um, now we know a rubber match must happen. Must. The first fight was dominant. In, uh, in Mighty Mouse's favor. The second fight was very, very close, but a fair decision in my opinion because when you score the round, uh, you've got to find, in essence, you have to find something within that round to see who won, who made it 10-9. Who deserves the 10, who gets the 9. And in looking at those rounds, Henry Cejudo won three of the, uh, three of the five. Mighty, Mighty Mouse won two of the five. So I have no problem with the decision. Uh, if they would have announced... Um, Money Mouse was a champion. I wouldn't have been like, oh, my God, robbery, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't have been happy. I can tell you that right now because I do believe Henry Cejudo did win the fight. Um, but he did so in, in, in razor-thin fashion. You don't have to win a fight dramatically. Um, I don't know if you saw anything, but I was waiting for the, you have to beat the champ. You got to beat the champ to win the belt. Yeah. No, I don't buy that. Never have, never will. Um, it's not pride guys. It's not Japan where the fight is scored as a whole. 
It is scored on a round-per-round basis. Once you submit your scorecard, and I challenge people that think that you have to beat the champ, okay? And you still can do it round for round. Now, if you don't know how to score a mixed martial arts fight and you simply do it by watching the television or watching your screen, then realistically speaking, and not to sound facetious, you shouldn't be scoring a fight. Just grab a beer, watch the fight. But if you look at it objectively, not subjectively, not without a valid opinion, and not understanding that there is criteria required to score a mixed martial arts fight, sit down and score the fight the way it should be scored, and you'll see that Henry Cejudo won three of the five rounds. Plain and simple. Have there been closer rounds before? Yes. Have there been more obvious rounds in the past? Yes. If you scored at 48-47 for Demetrius, I, you know what? We can discuss that. Tell me which round uh, you gave it to, to Cejudo or Demetrius, and we'll, we can take it from there. But other than that, I think Cejudo won the fight fair and square, and definitely this thing, this rematch is, is definitely required. I'm looking forward to it. Although the narrative uh, for all of this for the UFC was extremely strange for me after Cejudo's arm was raised and then after TJ Dillashaw's arm was raised. And we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to the narrative uh, in a moment. But for those that score fights based on you have to beat the champ to become the champ, it does not work that way. It doesn't even work that way in boxing. That is a 1970s mentality. We've evolved uh, as a literally a Ric Flair line. Yeah, like you could just it, it doesn't work like that in reality. You can I mean if you want to drink with your boys and girls and think like that, no problem. You can do that, but that's not the reality. That's not how fights are scored. You do not have to beat the champ to beat the champ. You can just simply win on a round by round basis. Three of the five rounds is all you have to win. That's what Cejudo did. He deserves the belt. Uh I don't think he deserves TJ Dillashaw, but we'll get to that in a moment. So yeah, as a Kentucky guy, I take great pride in being able to say one of the greatest boxers of all time, Muhammad Ali, arguably, arguably the best, is from Kentucky. Take great pride, even though he was a military kid and didn't spend a lot of time here. I can say Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, the greatest fighter of all time from Kentucky. I had it 3-2 Cejudo. I did. He proved me wrong because on this show last week I said, man, I don't know that his wrestling can get any better than it was in the Olympics. And it did. It got a lot better. He was an anchor. It wasn't, I mean, uh, Johnson was able to get up, and you better believe he, it's, it's going to be a different fight the next time they fight. Because this couldn't have been anything less like the fight that they had a couple of years ago. You had Henry Cejudo with improved hands. You had him with improved weight on the ground, how he was able to control the hips here and there of, of Cejudo. But then you still had... Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, who never sniffed the Olympics, Granby rolling and transitioning and switching and scrambling. Man, that was great. I would love to watch. I would love if UFC put on fight pass grappling matches. Like, why don't they do that with their own stars? That's it's weird to me that they, they won't do that. But it was such a fantastic performance, but the thing that impressed me the most was how Demetrius Johnson handled that loss. He could have done the, the throw his hands up, the, oh, bullshit, no, he clapped along because he knew that he found he found his kryptonite. He found his rival. This is a guy who's been practically begging for a rival for a long time. Joseph Benavidez wasn't that. John Dodson wasn't that. Ian McCall wasn't that. 
or at least couldn't consistently be that. Bogatinov is taking EPO. Horiguchi hit the bricks and headed to Japan. Maybe it could have been him. It's Henry, it's Henry Cejudo. That's his guy at flyweight. And I thought that uh, this was just two professionals at the highest level acting like professionals. And sometimes you need that. In between all the, the hospitalizations for missed weights and the dollies and thrown cans of monster energy and people fighting through staff and smoking weed out at the pressers and stuff, sometimes you just need two guys who are at the height of professionalism who go in there and fight and have a technical fight, but it's exciting, who expose each other's strengths and weaknesses and can do what these two guys did. And that that was this and... Who are the who are the people that can now who can say that Demetrius Johnson is a boring fighter? If you still say that, I man, I don't know what you're watching. Perform or fight of the night there, performance of the night against Ray Borg, performance of the night against Wilson Hayes, against Ahudo, against Horiguchi, against Benavidez, against Moraga, fight of the night against Dodson. I think he had one a fight of the night against McCall too. Whew. But how much did you value the Cejudo takedowns? A lot, because he was able to, to then control uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. A control a, a takedown means nothing, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't do what you want to do with that takedown, mainly keep your opponent down and control him, and then begin your offense. Um, but when you have a guy doing the role that Demetrius was doing, it was very difficult to contain him. But when he did get contained, uh, Cejudo did try to, to maximize what he could. Now. When you contain your opponent, and even though the damage isn't something ferocious like you would see uh, Habib Nurmagomedov do, you, you are controlling the fight. You're controlling your opponent for longer than one to two seconds. Okay, Taking somebody down means you are taking the fight somewhere where it is not. It's a, a, a basically a moment in time. Controlling your opponent means you are now controlling the fight, where the fight is taking place. And that's what Cejudo was doing and that is part of mixed martial arts judging under the unified rules okay so you've got to give him credit for that does he sit there and and bust up dj and and almost break an arm or, or choke him out no but in the fact that he didn't do that you then go down to say okay who was controlling the fight and so who was doing that and his takedowns were amazing i mean the, the the chain wrestling or the chain takedowns were absolutely fantastic and you get that from an olympic gold medalist the guy's fantastic uh, he, he was able to change a few things and adapt his style for mixed martial arts and just did an amazing job. Look, he beat the greatest of all time, okay? Or at least the argument that, that – argument that that. Oh, by the way, Sean, anyone that says Mighty Mouse is boring, that is not a conversation that you have with anybody. That is not a debate eight you have with anybody. You simply look that person in the eye and smile and try and change the Dick conversation. Dick Wham Stunner. Like, you just – okay. You know, I'm sorry, but there's times in life when you get into conversations with people and when they verbalize or vomit stupidity, there's no need to prove them wrong. Okay, you just continue your life of being stupid. That's just the way it is. You do that. Um, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is arguably the perfect mixed martial artist. Sorry. I mean, if people can't believe that or see it, you know, it's too bad you've never seen what I've seen with my own eyes outside of. Uh, the cameras are outside of, of what you see in the cage. The guy is just magic. He's just majestic in everything that he does. And he's also 125 pounds. Okay. So 
Let's not forget that. He's not 170 pounds uh, or the weight classes that we'd like to see these competitors compete at. Now, Cejudo, uh, in doing what he did, has changed a lot of things for the UFC uh, and opened up this division. Uh, Demetrius Johnson has found his guy, Sean, that you just mentioned, the guy that has his number. Demetrius, Matt Hume, and the team have to go back and figure out what went wrong, what they cannot do again. Maybe do they tone down the aggressiveness that, that Muddy Mouse was showing? Because maybe Muddy Mouse was going for that knockout. Do they work more on the footwork and, and angles and coming in and out? That's not for me to say because I am nowhere near the level of Matt Hume, uh, nor am I the athlete that is Demetrius Muddy Mouse Johnson. So uh, that's for them um, to figure out and for us to admire and and sit there and and, and watch in awe. I, I, th- this trilogy fight has to happen. Knock on wood, nothing uh, along the way where the MMA gods can prevent this from happening. But again, I, I, I keep stating the narrative, which we will get to after we talk about the main event. Speaking of Matt Hume, did you ever see the, the fight he had with Ken Shamrock? No, I remember the fight he had with Eric Paulson, though, but not that's, Shamrock. That's worth a watch because it it was very clearly a work. In Pancrase? Yeah. Okay. It was very clearly a work, but, man, it was a good one. He would okay. have been a good – he would have excelled. I Honestly, Matt Hume could probably pop up on an independent wrestling show right now and work a match against a lot of these people at – what? how old is he, 52? 52, I think. Cody Garbrandt got knocked out by TJ Dillashaw. And if anybody has watched a Cody Garbrandt fight and watched a TJ Dillashaw fight and then watched the adjustments that they make or they don't make in subsequent fights, probably saw this coming. Pick Dillashaw myself. Cody Garbrandt and and TJ Dillashaw, I think, even said it recently drops his left hand when he throws his right every single time and he just kept throwing it so what happened tj dillashaw just kept covering and throwing his right hand why because he knew a left hand wasn't going to follow and he made cody garbrandt pay cody garbrandt did not deserve this rematch not at all he never defended his title successfully he never won a fight after this Dillashaw is just a better fighter than Cody Garbrandt. And so much of the behavior that, that unfolded throughout the what was what was the turn or the, the phrase I used, Joe? Cody Garbrandt seems like the kind of guy who wouldn't shit in the bed of your truck, but he would 100 percent know the guy who did it, and he would tell you that he didn't know who did it. Nah, bro, I don't I don't know who did it. I don't know who took a shit on your truck. Uh, I don't know, bro. Tweets emerged last week of him dropping the N bomb years ago. You know, instead of that, I didn't see that. What what was that about? Well, he said they were there were song lyrics. Instead of just saying, I'm sorry, that was dumb. I was younger, I've grown. No, not not Cody Garbrandt. There there was a lot of weird perception that came into this. Like he said. UFC wants me to be champion. I'm more marketable. Because you have some neck tattoos? Okay, I guess. Let's see how the, the, the buy rate does for this show. Because I'm not expecting it to be too hot. There were just so many character issues that led to, to I just and I don't have disdain for a lot of a lot of fighters. I'm just like, man, this is ah. Uh, 
And it, it, keep in mind, his last fight was on a card with Joanna and Nami Yunus and GSP and Bisping and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was on the show. And when Paulo Costa and Johnny Hendricks is the opener, that's a pretty good card. And I still don't think this show is going to crack 200,000. Not based on the conversations you and I have had over the past two or three weeks, but I will say this. Um, a lot of the, the negativity surrounding Cordy Garbrandt is still something that I'm, I'm, you know, part of me has accepted the image that he's been portraying over the past few years. Uh, but for those that have followed our podcast uh, for the, since day one, um, the Cody Garbrandt that I know is the guy that I met at, at Team Alpha Male um, uh, 2014, um, four years ago, I guess. And he's done some incredible stuff, too. I don't want to downplay that. Like, yeah. I'm just saying that this that is a guy that cancer, was that was that was incredible. That's the guy that I know. I mean, he yeah. was the guy that when we showed up there, um, he's the one that opened the door for us, and he stayed with us while every other fighter and big name from uh, from you know Uriah Faber, T.J. Dillashaw, uh, Chad Mendez, Dwayne Ludwig was actually there at the time, um, and it didn't matter. He stayed with us until we were ready uh, to film, and then he was going to help coordinate. And I had no idea who this guy was. No idea. He wasn't in the UFC. He wasn't even on anyone's radar at the time. All he was was a regular guy training at Team Alpha Male. And this guy, can I get you guys anything to drink? You guys need water. Uh, there's a coffee shop up the road. You know, I, I don't have to trade till 11. If you guys need anything, please let me know. I'm more than happy to help you guys out. You know, welcome to California. You're from Canada. But just an absolute gentleman. And then I see what's portrayed uh, and what he does on camera, or what he said, or what whatever you know. And I know this guy was troubled. You know, you know, you don't necessarily uh, decorate yourself with those types of tattoos uh, without having some some you know, I won't say issues, but without going through a lot in life. Is that fair to say? I, uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't the tattoos. I don't give a shit about those. Yeah, no, just... I know. I'm just saying it's just one of those things where I look at this guy and I'm like, I like this guy. Just a nice guy. But again, you know, he played the part. And is he angry? Well, probably. <laughs> but I can tell you, just, just from my own experience, super, super nice guy. Now, in terms of what transpired from the first fight to the second fight, um, it's unfortunate he came in with that game plan because it was, it was extremely reminiscent of, you know, when I called the uh, Takanori Gomi fight with Frank Trigg against Melvin Gillard. They just stood there at one point trading right hands. Nine times out of ten, somebody's going nappy time and or getting rocked eventually going nappy time. Now, TJ Dillashaw, obviously, um, they, he sees something in Cordy Garbrandt where it just makes him salivate, Sean, to the point where he's like, yeah, I'll fight him every day. What did he say? Uh, I love getting paid to beat – I love getting rich beating Cody Garbrandt. He sees something there that's just, you know what, I'm not afraid of this guy. I will finish him. I think the future is still bright for Cordy Garbrandt. They just have to make adjustments at Team Alpha Male. It would be interesting to see if he was ever to leave Team Alpha Male. I don't think he will, but – It'd be interesting to see if he does follow that path to figure out how to beat the likes of TJ Dillashaw, who will likely be a champion in this division for quite some time. But things have now changed uh, at 125 and at 135, per se. Uh, that's got me a little confused with the UFC. I'll let you wrap up this main event thought before I get into my thoughts on this narrative. I'm with you. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm I'm not saying that Cody Garbrandt can't do nice things, but man, the way that he has portrayed himself on camera, mm, it's it's not been good. And 
the Dillashaw win was satisfying. Now, there are, there are a couple of narratives and scenarios. The first one you mentioned, Cejudo Dillashaw. Boy, am I opposed to that. You have to earn a super fight like that. And to be quite honest with you, neither have done that. As much as I like a TJ Dillashaw, and, and he's one of the greatest bantamweights of all time, there are other bantamweights. There's Marlon Marias. He's chilling. Not Dominic Cruz. And I'll talk about that in a minute, too. Henry Cejudo has one opponent, and that man is Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Bar none, no excuses, run that trilogy back. I mean, you could have Mighty Mouse fight somebody else in the interim, but Mighty Mouse Johnson, that's it. I have no interest in seeing Cejudo versus Dillashaw right now. None. How about you? We got to this point um, in August originally thinking we were going to see TJ Dillashaw and Demetrius Money Mouse Johnson. That was to be the headliner for this show here. And I'm confident with, even though people may argue, I'm confident that pay-per-view buy rate would have been higher despite there was two title fights on this card here. Now, they had the opportunity to put TJ Dillashaw and Demetrius Money Mouse Johnson together. They had the opportunity to put that fight together. It didn't work out, so they decided to separate the two have them compete in their own division, potentially in hopes that Dillashaw wins and that Mighty Mouse wins, and then officially make that fight some way, somehow, and say, that's all that th- that's left. These two guys have to fight, blah, blah, blah. So they were gambling on that. Well, the gamble failed. Henry Cejudo defeats Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. The narrative of the super fight that Demetrius Johnson can no longer fight anybody outside that division. He's got to fight TJ Dillashaw, blah, 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 blah is now gone, or at least uh, it's been quelled. It's, it's, it, the smoke on that or the fire on that is just sort of like it's just... T- you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand, and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Sort of sparkling, okay? Because right now, Demetrius Johnson has to get that belt back from Henry Cejudo, 
And even if he does, people will still question, you know what? Zahuda could still beat you, son, even though it's two out of three, right? Then you got Dillashaw. He's got to fight someone. Who's he going to fight next, right? And it would have been nice if it was Demetrius Johnson right off the bat. It's not going to happen now. You know, I don't see him fighting Dominic Cruz anytime soon. Dominic Cruz has got a fight. He should. Dominic Cruz, does he have a fight? No, he's got a fight. That's oh, what I'm yeah. saying. He's got a fight. He needs to fight. Yeah. Let's talk about the Cruz thing. Cruz. Okay, so he said something that rubbed me the wrong way this week, too. He goes, yeah, you always hear about me putting over TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt and Marlon Marias and saying all these good things about them. I never hear them say good things about me. Uh, bro, first off, you're on fucking Fox all the time. It's your job to do that. Also, you fought four times in seven years. When do they have the opportunity to do such a thing? They haven't in the last two years, essentially. I have zero interest in seeing Dominic Cruz fight for that title next. I am all set on seeing people fight for titles off of losses. Instead, I would love to see Dominic Cruz fight somebody else, anybody else, a Jimmy Rivera, a... Uh, just anybody, Rafaela Sunsau. I, I, what's, what's your take at Dominic Cruz at number two in this division? The thing is, it's tough to put him lower than that because he's not done a lot to prove that he's not the third best because the guy doesn't fight a whole lot. He came back and fought all that it's like three times in, in a year and hasn't been able to fight since then, and he's got so much wear and tear on him. It's it's hard to say until we see him against one of the top ten guys. However, Garbrandt, I don't want to see him fight Cruz either. I want to see Garbrandt fight Lineker like tomorrow. Ooh, That's yes. the fight I want. I want Lineker and Cody Garbrandt in there chucking and ducking. <laughs> I don't give a shit what either do with their left hands while they're throwing that right hand. Just put that on maybe even your first ESPN plus card. Oh, boy, that's a fight to watch. That is a good fight. But Dominic Cruz, I think, should probably fight Rivera or Dodson or somebody like that because Marias deserves that title shot at this point. So Marias or Asun Sao, or you're you're adamant about Marias? I'm adamant about Marias. Marias deserves that title shot. Okay, what do what do we do with Asun Sao? Maybe him against Cruz. And I like both those fights. I can agree. Yeah. Although I'd love to see, and again, it's my personal bias with Asun Sao. I I I'd just like to see. Rafael get that title shot. I really would. Um, even though he's already fought TJ before, he's adamant that he beat him. Uh, I think it's a, a great narrative for the UFC to promote. But, uh, you know, Marlon is just fantastic. He's just ridiculous. And he's another nice guy. He got two of the nicest challengers in history of any division trying to get a hold of TJ Dillashaw. I'd love to see it. Dominic Cruz, um, I, that, I mean, you, you convinced me. Uh, not, sorry, Cody Garbrandt, John Lineker, done. Uh, Dominic Cruz, either three or four, Asin Sao or Marais. Whoever TJ gets, Cruz should get the other one, and let's exactly. straighten up this division. So uh, I'd love to see it happen. But neither one of us uh, are named Sean or Mick, so we'll see what they do. Uh, excuse me? Sorry, sorry. Uh, Sheldon. <laughs> my bad. Pardon me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say neither one of us are, are nicknamed or named Sean Shelby or Mick Maynard, but um, we're not the UFC matchmaking team, so we'll see what they do with it. I would like to see it the way you and I just described it, but crazier things have happened, and you yeah. know, you know how they work, right? So, 
Jimmy Van has publicly invited you to the Jays game on August 22nd, which I know is a Wednesday, which are kind of busy for you, but August 22nd, Jimmy Van. I will have to get back to Jimmy Van immediately after the podcast. Another guy who has not portrayed himself in the best manner, Darren Teal somehow made himself less likable than Colby Covington this week. What in the shitting fuck is wrong with Darren Teal? Let me read this quote, Joe. <laughs> I was just going to say. Oh, my God. And he oh, – I said last year ahead of the Cerrone fight, sometimes he sounded like he was trying to convince himself he was as good as he thinks. You know, his skills are unmistakable in the cage. His parenting skills leave plenty to be desired. Quote, I've got a girlfriend who's nearly seven months pregnant. I don't really care. I've got a daughter in Brazil right now who I haven't seen for one year. I don't really care. I just care about legacy and greatness. That's what I'm in this for. End quote. Now, my career is, I I would say, arguably the most important thing to me. My wife is very important. Spending a night away from her, I'm like, man, how would I function without her? I have... In my 30s, feared my own mortality more and more, and I now value time with my family much more. I go and visit my grandma all the time, and I do those things. I found out that what is truly important to me. Joe, you know what is not important to me? Tell me. What are – my child is not important to me, and my pregnant wife is not important to me because those things don't fucking exist. Because I didn't create that situation to where I would have to care or not care about them. Because I'm a responsible adult, human male. That's why I don't worry about a pregnant wife and a child somewhere else. Because I don't have them. Darren Teal does have them. And while I respect how committed he is to uh, the, his fighting career... Wow. Wow. I looked at Colby Covington's interview with Ara Hawani, which I'm going to be honest, was hilarious about him meeting Trump. I'm not getting political, but the interview was hilarious because I don't think he even hides the fact that he's clowning now because he said stuff like, Covington said stuff like, when I met Mr. Trump, he towered over me. I was kind of afraid he was going to come at me. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's funny. That is objectively hilarious. What Darren Teal said was sincere. And oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Stone Osborne says, I get what he meant, but it's fun to act like I don't. <laughs> Yeah, Stone's correct. Oh, uh, God. All you guys in the live chat are awesome, uh, except one guy saying I look like Dana White's Canadian uncle, all right, because I'm wearing a V-neck shirt and I'm bald. Yes, you do. All right, cool. <laughs> Call them bozos, please. Mm. <laughs> all um, these bozos in the chat. Yeah, anyways. Just say something negative about Bob Arum. Yeah, I should. I'll say something <laughs> negative about Darren Till. Uh, there we go. Uh, I, well, 
I'll choose my words correctly because the internet is always there. So I don't want anything to, uh, to be spun out incorrectly, but as a father, uh, and as a parent and as somebody who would probably change my life dramatically, I would leave the broadcasting world. I would leave, uh, fightful. I would leave Ryzen and Titan FC, uh, in a heartbeat. If I had to make that decision for my son, it wouldn't even be, negotiable jimmy van sean rossap could pay me could pay me seven figures and i would turn it down if it meant uh being away from my son it just it just doesn't work that way uh, my son is everything to me uh and i'm proud to be a dad uh and i spend as much time as i can with my son because i want to be a good father i want to be a good role model i want to support my family i want to put food on the table to see or hear people like darren till say the stuff that they do it just, it's, it's, to me, it's just, it's, it's sickening, you know? And, and I remember uh, having friends within the UFC circle from uh, I'll say staff octagon girls to uh, VPs and blah, blah. And a conversation had ensued and, and how some of them were disgusted with kids and kids on the plane. And I just left the meeting and went like this, Sean, I went onto my Twitter. I went onto my social media and went, Nope, delete, 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 delete. You're horrible human beings. Cause one day, you're going to have kids and you'll see what I mean. And if you do have kids and you still feel that way, then in my opinion, you're not exactly a great human being. So Till wants to come off like that. Uh, unfortunately, it is not my job to ever be biased in fights, although I publicly say that I am when I've got friends that are competing or friends that I hang out with or grew up with. Um, but man, am I rooting for Tyron Woodley in this fight. That's all I'm saying. Colby Covington says that he's not going to be stripped of the title. If you're the UFC, why do you take him to the White House and have him take pictures with Donald Trump with the title if you're going to strip him of it? Covington will be back a month later. Just do the two winners of Usman Covington and Teal Woodley for the undisputed title. I'm still puzzled at this decision to have Tyron Woodley fight Darren Till, yet the UFC rankings, which were updated yesterday, still have Colby Covington as the interim champion. Bracket, interim champion, right? So you're not stripping him. You're not stripping him. He's the interim champion. He earned that belt to fight. He, he earned the right to fight Tyron Woodley. I, I don't understand why they're rushing this situation. It is what it is. I'm not here to, to, to say or tell the UFC what to do with their business. I'm just simply looking at this and it's saying, doesn't make sense, man. It doesn't make sense. Colby Covington, you gave him the interim title or you, you awarded him the interim title after he you know, earned it against uh, defeating Rafael Dos Anjos. He's the next guy that fights for the title. You work around his schedule as well. I know he had a surgery, but you sent him to the White House, Donald Trump. It's just... Puzzling and baffling. I don't know. They just, you know what? It's actually a good thing, Sean, because we get to talk about it. They give us fodder. That's, that's they give true. us content. It's free content, right? Plenty of content. UFC held their Los Angeles presser last week. It emerged Thursday night. Nate Diaz is back. He's going to fight Dustin Poirier. And, you know, last, last week I did 
podcasts and I did the Fightful rankings uh, that I actually released for free as a preview. So check that out. And I said, man, there are five names in this lightweight division. Somebody's going to be the odd man out, and it might be Dustin Poirier. No, he's not the odd man out because Nate Diaz saw it fitting to come back. You have, I think, the the matchups that make sense are Connor Habib, Lee Ferguson, two. Got to run that one back. Dustin Poirier, Nate Diaz. Two of those three are made. We'll talk about Connor and Habib here in a little bit. Nate Diaz claims that he wasn't fighting due to a lawsuit and says, I don't know why nobody told you all that. I don't know why you didn't tell us that, bro. You've done a bunch of interviews. Also said that he's not fighting on that New York card. We've heard a lot of speculation about potential uh, headliners. Dustin Poirier says they're hoping for Jones, maybe GSP. Either way, UFC needed Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor back this fall or winter, and they got him. This is a saving grace from what could have been the worst UFC pay-per-view year ever. What do you think? Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier. Uh, first of all, that's a solid fight. That's a, if, if it's going to happen. I, I think it's going to happen. I, I think it's going to happen. I just think Nate Diaz is just going to be Nate Diaz, and Nick Diaz is going to be Nick Diaz, and the Diaz brothers in that camp are going to do what they do. Uh, again, they operate uh, on, on a, a different frequency to simply say, we'll do what we want, when we want, how we want, and act the way we want to act. But nine times out of ten, when they sign to fight, they show up for the fight. They may not show up for press conferences. They may not show up for media obligations, but they show up to fight. They show up, whether they call it wolf tickets or not, they show up to fight. And I'm pretty sure, knowing the Diaz brothers and my time with them, they respect a guy like Dustin Poirier. They don't respect guys that don't fight real fights. You know what I'm saying? Like They respect other fighters that put on a show. Nick Diaz uh, came up to myself and uh, Mark Hominick at one time. I think it was when he was fighting um, either Carlos Condit or when he was fighting GSP, and before the interview had even started, Nick Diaz came over and said, what's up to me? But or no, no, first went up to Mark Hominick um, and said, man, I really respect the way you fight. And this was after Hominick fought Jose Aldo, right? Those guys, the Diaz brothers, love warriors. They love guys that throw down and come to fight. And Dustin, Dustin Poirier is a guy that throws down and loves to fight. So more than happy that Nate Diaz would take that fight and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm fighting a guy who's actually going to fight. He's not going to wrestle me. He's not going to blah, blah, blah. He actually throws down. So um, despite all the stuff, the problems that Nate may have with the UFC, Dana White, contract negotiations and not knowing. And now that he's broke, quote unquote, he said he was broke. um, I think he shows up to fight. I do too. And it's like the, the thing that he did afterwards, fuck the UFC. I'm not fighting on that show. I mean, it plays well to his audience, but man, sometimes you got to wonder, like, will he show up? <laughs> exactly. Like, we know that, yeah, you know, is this really Diaz just playing with us? And or is this, is he serious? Or wait, they, this is what they do. But wait, what? Yeah, he, still, man, despite what I just said, Sean, you never know with these two guys, man. They're awesome. I love them. Glover versus Manawa set. As I like to say, 
somebody got a win. Couple old guys that throw punches are going to slug it out. Solid addition. One of them's got to win. You got to keep a guy in the top five ish. I like that fight. But uh, let's be real the big one Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov, neither man at the presser in just two months, Joe. In what will be one of the biggest days in fightful history, without a doubt, because this fight's one of the biggest in history. It's the same day as WWE Super Showdown in Australia. So from the wee hours of the morning to the wee hours of the following morning, we will have some insane coverage. Man, this this is a big one, Joe. First off, huge for the UFC, huge for MMA. We've we've not made it any secret. Like even our numbers dwindle because MMA is not as hot as it used to be. And that's, I mean, we used to do very good numbers as well when you had Connor and GSP and Rousey even. Lesnar showing up in the cage did some of the best numbers that we ever did a few weeks ago. You need big names like this, and they got it. Habib is an overwhelming behemoth on the ground. But the thing is, we saw Michael Johnson light him up. If Conor McGregor gets those same shots, Khabib Nurmagomedov is not winning the fight. Conor McGregor hits a lot harder and is more accurate and is faster and, quite frankly, is just better than Michael Johnson. If Habib gives Conor McGregor five opportunities, like so many other guys have gotten, I don't know if Habib wins this fight. However, if Conor McGregor gives Habib Nurmagomedov the opportunities that Nate Diaz got, his face might be hamburger meat. Let's talk the gravity of this situation, Joe. Lots going on. Uh... I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of I told you so moments, but I recall before the money fight with Mayweather, I said Conor McGregor's next opponent will be Habib Nurmagomedov. And I remember all the people, oh, what the hell are you talking about? Nate Diaz is next in trilogy and blah, blah, blah. I said, you watch and wait and see how this all unfolds. And I did say that it would take place in Russia. That's not going to happen. But this is the fight that's going to prove a lot of things for a lot of people. And... As much as you and I, Sean, break down fights and say it can either go one of two ways, Conor McGregor knocks him out, or Habib, you know, Nurmagomedov actually changes McGregor's face, that's probably how it's going to go down. But how many times have we seen where it doesn't really happen that way? What I do know is the lead up for this fight and the fact that this fight's going to go down is going to be absolutely ridiculous. I look at it from a few different perspectives. Habib better be able to get in with that takedown as quickly as possible and not pull a George St. Pierre and think, I'm going to get Conor McGregor thinking that we're going to strike. And as soon as Conor gets comfortable that we're striking, we're going to the ground. Uh Uh-uh. You need to just work and work and work and take away space and clinch. Get Conor up against the cage. Cover your chin and do what you need to do to get this guy down to the ground. Uh, And then do your maul and brawl. If you cannot get Conor McGregor down to the ground, that dude has the ability, the accuracy, the, just to pinpoint that left hand right down the pipe to the point where it's not only powerful, you happen to walk into it as well, which doubles that power. So Conor McGregor, if he lands that crisp left hand like we've seen in the past, or even some of his rights, 
it could get real ugly for Nurmagomedov. And Lord knows the celebration that Conor McGregor would have. First of all, leading up to this fight is going to be ridiculous. Like, I mean, I can't wait to hear this guy trash talk Nurmagomedov because Nurmagomedov usually doesn't care what you have to say. But we might see a, a side of Nurmagomedov that might go absolutely ballistic. But either way, the winner of this fight will likely just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's so amazing to think what it's going to be like that evening that I can't wait for it to go down. By rate, what are you expecting? I think Dana White kind of mentioned maybe two million is what he's hoping for. It's it's really hard to gauge like when people say, Oh, this many buys, this many buys, because they can get all the information they want from cable providers and direct TV, but UFC gets a lot of those buys. Like I bought the UFC pay-per-view on Amazon Prime the other day. So it's really difficult to to gauge that, but Diaz, I think, was maybe a bigger personality, but if we're talking like, I, I think we could see, I think it's between 1.5 and 2 million. I do. Worldwide, I think it'll do more than, depending on what the Russian pay-per-view situation is, it could do more than Diaz-McGregor, I think. I think it does more than Diaz-McGregor only because... Um, Russia's a big place. <laughs> Russia's a big place. Look at Habib's social media following. Look at the numbers on all of his social media. The guy is ridiculously popular. And he's got a massive country behind him. A country that, you know, it, it's not that they're anti-everybody outside of Russia. They're just proud of Mother Russia. They are proud uh, residents and they believe in themselves as the greatest especially with all the different stuff that happened recently with the Olympics, all the different stuff that happened, uh, you know, the World Cup. Look how amazing that World Cup was, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of stuff and, and storyline behind this. Um, it is sort of weird, in my opinion, again, talking globally, that uh, an Irish guy is fighting a Russian in Vegas or in the States. Um, but that's where it's at right now. And I, I'm thinking this is going to be absolutely insane. The, I, I, again, Sean, I'm not that guy anymore – uh, to make any sort of predictions on pay-per-view numbers solely because the amount of, of, of change that has happened over the past four years, it just puts me on, 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 on the sidewalk on this type of conversation. I revert to you, and if you come out and you say one, one million, one and a half million, two million, I, I, I tend to agree only because I, I'm still at a loss. I had this conversation, by the way, courtesy of yourself. Thank you very much, by the way, over the weekend. Um, for those that don't know, when the, when the news broke of Habib taking on McGregor, uh, my head shook because I was like, damn it, damn it. Sean Ross is going to text me. He's going to ask me to be available for breaking news, which whenever he does, I do the best I can. It just so happened that I had guests over because it was my wife's birthday. Uh, and it was a long week thing that we had planned for her and some friends at a big party on Saturday. For those that saw my Instagram. And Facebook and Twitter, you saw the picture of all the people that showed up. That wasn't even everybody at the party. But I look, and there's the, there's the message from Sean Ross Sapp. And I'm like, <laughs> Sean, I can't. I got everybody here. I really can't so, be stepping away. So it's big. It's big. It's big. It's big. It's going to be big. Um, it's, it, it can't come soon enough, Sean. Also, the UFC had planned, or not planned, asked GSP to fight Nate Diaz in September. 
Now, Nate Diaz in the past said, that's my brother's fight. Well, your brother doesn't fight, first off. Neither did neither does he very often, but he said he would be interested in he being GSP interested in perhaps the winner of Habib and McGregor, but says he doesn't think the UFC would let him fight at 155 because he's already vacated two titles. And I couldn't, I wouldn't blame the UFC. Also I'd worry about him making the weight. What do you think about that fight? And it seems like he's targeting maybe an early 2019 return. Uh, provided George's health issues have been taken care of, I definitely don't want to see... I, look, I said it from day one, I don't want to see the guy fight again, but he, he doesn't care. He's, he fights at 185. Obviously had miserable, miserable problems even making 185, um, which isn't that much of a cut for him, but trying to put on the weight and cutting the weight was bad. I don't know how, at his age, he can cut down to 155 pounds for the very first time. That would be a super fight. He should consider, if available to make it 170 pounds or at a catch weight. Um, I I don't know if he would really want to fight. If he had a preference, I cannot see him wanting to fight Habib Nurmagomedov. I could see him wanting to fight Conor McGregor solely for the fact that Conor McGregor uh, versus George St. Pierre, that pay-per-view buy rate would be through the roof. Um, It won't be Money Mayweather um, pay-per-view numbers, but it would be absolutely massive for the UFC. So if anyone... If George thinks, I mean, if anyone thinks that George wants to come back and fight one of those two guys, I'm of the belief he would much rather fight McGregor. Uh, obviously, it's a huge payday for him as opposed to fighting Nurmagomedov, who would be a much tougher fighter for him. So, um, or at least stylistically, a different and tougher fight for him. So, George is George. She's going to do what he wants to do. I don't even think Faraz really knows what George wants to do. Uh, George wakes up and says, "Bah, doing this. <laughs> and now that I made it public, I'm doing it. UFC not punishing Conor McGregor after the bus attack. We'll rapid fire some of these. What do you think about that? I'm not surprised. Still waiting on that Mark Goddard punishment, right? Anyway. It's happening if you notice the timeline. Mike Brown says UFC is devaluing their titles. Agree or disagree? Agree. Josh Thompson says there will never be a fighters union in the UFC. Agree or disagree? Never say never, but I agree. I agree on on both of those. Vivian Pereira leaves the UFC citing some uh, issues with the contract. What do you think those are? She has another iron in the fire. Fair. Two and two, but, I mean, if you can make it, make it. DC willing to fight Miocic again if Lesnar doesn't make it to their fight. He should be, right? Lesnar makes it to the fight. Lesnar does, or yeah, I, I think I think yeah. Lesnar does too. He is much smaller already. If you've been watching Raw, which I'm sure you have, hey Stone Osborne, I don't think it's Connor White Privilege McGregor, nor do I think it's Connor Rich Privilege McGregor. I think it's Connor. I make a ton of money for the UFC, so Dana White and them are not going to punish me, McGregor. That could be Rich Privilege, kind of. <laughs> Lena Landsberg against Yana Kunitskaya. Joseph Benavidez against Ray Borg at UFC 229. You like these matchups? Yeah, I like it. Pretty fair. Pretty fair, I thought. Cub Swanson says that USADA played a role in him re-signing with the UFC. You see a lot of people that kind of go the other way. They want to leave because their opponents get caught, but where else would they go? What do you think about him saying this? I like Cub. Cub's a good guy. Cub smart, I think it's correct. Although 
Um, I did have this conversation. Um, by the way, Stone Osborne always makes me laugh. I love that guy. He's um, great. He's just hilarious. Anyways, um, I, I do find it puzzling at times when I had this conversation where people are like, I don't know if I like this USADA thing, man. They just keep screwing things up. I'm like, well, kind of, but not kind of. I said the only problem with um, the, the, the negative that I see with, with USADA is the minute you're flagged with something, an announcement is made that you've been yes. flagged for something. That is then translated to guilty until proven innocent. When in reality, just don't say anything, get to the bottom of it, figure it out, then say this person has been found with X, Y, or Z in their system. Not you've been flagged, let's go take a look at your supplements. Oh, damn it, your supplements that you bought at your local health and food store are crap and they've been tainted and the poor guy's like, you know, we, we, I mean, we've seen people are like, hey, Usada, I'm taking this, 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 and this. Cool? Because on your list, it says I can take this, 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 and this. Yes. Well, I took it. And I've just been flagged. Right? So uh, I'm not taking a shot at Usada. I'm just saying the policies and procedures and the way things are done needs to change, in my opinion, because it's not fair for some of these fighters that have undergone a lengthy period of time of not competing and taking a hit to their reputation because once they're flagged, it's guilty until proven innocent. And even if proven innocent, Sean, people still think they're guilty. Oh, he's a cheater. She's a cheater. Blah, blah, blah. Raquel Pennington calls out Kat Zingano. What do you think of that? Bring it. And this one, we will we'll finish off just with a discussion, not rapid fire. Bellator has announced it's welterweight first round matches. And boy, this is a good tournament. I mean, Douglas like Lima versus Andre Koreshkov, September 29th on zone. Paul Daly versus Michael Page. I like the idea. Do that type of fight in the first round. Don't try to set it up. Do it. Just do it. You can make the matches. Neiman Gracie against Ed Ruth. Here's the interesting thing about this, Joe. The winner gets a Bellator welterweight title shot. Why is that? Because Rory McDonald is defending against John Fitch. On that side of the bracket. I love that Rory McDonald has to defend his title throughout this whole thing. I love that Ed Ruth could walk away. UFC welterweight champion. That is phenomenal. You have Belter, a mixture. Or, or, yeah, whatever. You have a mixture <laughs> of established stars, current stars, strikers, grapplers, stars of the past, stars of the future. Also in an alternate bout, Amasov, who uh, made... You dominated Gerald Harris, somebody I've spoken highly of for several years, against Lorenz Larkin in an alternate bout. I like that alternate bout, too. This is good stuff. This is a hell of a tournament. I love it. I love that they're bringing back the tournament in this way. And we, we've seen them come back to tournaments. We've got the heavyweight tournament. We've got the welterweight tournament. If you've got divisions that have all these names, why not do it? I love it. I absolutely love it, and I think it's going to be fantastic. It's what I've always, or what you and I have always mentioned uh, about Bellator: the importance of going to the bracket system, showcasing who is competing against who, when, and people can follow it and see what's up. I like the fact uh, I, I, it just gave me, and you, you verbalized something, and you just gave me another idea uh, in my head that I'd, I'd been working on with a few other people that I think is going to be very, very important, but. 
Um, the fact that Rory McDonald is actually in this tournament uh, and has to defend his title, technically speaking, yeah, fantastic. Love it. And in the end, uh, I think it's Rory McDonald against Douglas Lima. So uh, it'd be interesting to see, but that's the rematch I definitely want to see no matter what. And I think it's going to happen. But then again, we've seen tournaments to prove otherwise. Yeah, I mean, hey, the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix ended with Daniel Cormier winning, and that ended up working out just fine, right? Well, As it turns out, that was the best possible result was an alternate coming in and taking this tournament. Who would have ever thought such a thing? And now here we are, what, six years later, and the guy's UFC heavyweight champion? And light heavyweight champ? Yeah. I'll never forget being live on the air across the country, syndicated radio show. We were talking about the Strike Force tournament. And both myself and my co-host almost at the same time read each other's minds and said, can you imagine Daniel Cormier ends up winning this tournament? Anything can happen. Yeah. It's MMA. And we're like, ah, oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I mean, the odds of it happening are slim. Oh, boy. Guys, I want to thank you all so much. Over on FightfulSelect.com, every week I do the Fightful UFC rankings breakdown video where I talk about my thoughts of UFC's rankings, which are so fun to criticize. We have an early access article. Alan Juban talks about the potential of moving to pro wrestling. I'm all the time uploading early access articles like that for our tier two subscribers. That's $10. But everything else, pretty much five bucks, including the If It Were a Work, If It Were a Shoot podcast. It's a monthly show I do where I break down UFC and WWE cards, uh, as well as New Japan, Ring of Honor, or Impact Wrestling. I break down the pro wrestling matches based on the stipulations they have and the the people in the matches, who would win if it were a legitimate match, if they were really fighting? And from the UFC perspective, the Bellator perspective, I break things down based on who I think the companies would want to win based on marketing, future matchups, stuff like that. That is a feature for Tier 1 subscribers, only $5 a month. You all can follow me at Sean Ross at Follow us at Fightful.com, but most importantly... Share our stories, comment, thumbs up, subscribe, all that stuff. I can't tell you how much your word of mouth helps us. So if you're on Twitter and you see an article that that interests you, quote tweet it and say, cool, man. Joe, what do you got going on this week? Uh, I leave Thursday for Ryzen, so I'm back to Japan. Uh, Leave Thursday back on Monday, so Ryzen goes down uh, this time in um, Nagoya. Nagoya, Japan which is a longer flight for me. So uh, it's going to be an interesting flight there, interesting flight back, uh, some solid scraps going down. So check out Frank Trigg and I, both our social media, uh, as well as anything and everything rising. We'll be using the hashtag. And we also, while we're live on the air, um, we do communicate with the fans that are tuned in. I know it's a crazy time zone change, uh, and it's a weird time for most people to be watching live MMA, but we do interact with the fans because we do have hashtags that we follow. Uh, Mrs. Jill Dexter Trigg will will let us know while we're live on the air. She shows us who's sending us messages. Frank will usually read them. I will reply as I'm calling the fight. Mm-hmm. So we are very interactive, and there are some sick fights. As those, uh, as you guys know, a week and a half ago with Ryzen 11 going down, people were saying it was you know it's nominated for one of the enemy yeah. of, of the year, uh, and don't be surprised if Ryzen 12. Does the same thing because there are some crazy. You like knockouts, man? Yeah, Angela Magana's on the show too. Yeah, and five kickboxing fights. Someone's going to sleep. Uh, someone's getting hurt. Yeah, back. Yep. 
Cato's fighting again. The main event's got Yachi taking on Gustavo, and Yachi's a guy that one of the guys that knocked out uh, or beat up uh, Takanori Gomi, who they then went drinking with. Gomi drank so much, uh, and Yachi, who's watching his idol get absolutely hammered in front of him, spilling beers all over the table. We'll talk about that story and a whole much more. It's going to be crazy in Japan, boys and girls. Also, Caitlin Young against Raina Mura, I think, is on that show too, I believe. But guys, yep. uh, definitely check that out. Follow us on Twitter, at FightfulMMA, trying to grow that subscriber count. We don't buy ours. We don't buy them. Till next time, guys. Thank you all. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.